1: Welcome to First Bite, our Detroit Lions midweek podcast, part of the Pride of Detroit Network. My name is Jeremy Reisman. I'm the editor-in-chief over at Pride of Detroit. You can find me at Detroit Online on Twitter. As always with me for First Bite is Senior Editor of Pride of Detroit at Ryan underscore P-O-D. On Twitter, it's Ryan Matthews. Ryan, how are we doing, buddy? I'm doing well. What's up with you? I am doing well because we are a We are under a week away from first NFL regular season action at this point. Um, But Before we get into all that and roster talk, which is what we're here to talk about, let me bring in our third guest, third, not guest, second guest, not guest. We'll just say one guest. I am the guest today. I am the guest today. He is the adequate host of the POD cast. And we were going to give him other labels, which I've already forgotten
2: at this point. You can find him at are we, go with are we gonna go with multimedia editor? I mean, this sure. is mainly our main multimedia besides what Kelly does. Why so. why the hell not? Multimedia editor. <laughs> Chris Perfett is here. Chris, how are you doing, bud? Um hot. Very hot. Uh I don't know if people know this for whatever reason, this time of year is when California decides it's time to melt flesh. So I am yes. going to endeavor to get through this podcast without losing about Less than three pounds, although I can stand to lose the weight too.
1: Well, speaking of losing pounds, uh, the Lions lost a lot of pounds on their overall roster by going from Ooh, look at 80 to 53 this week. And we wanted to wait until uh, towards the end of the week to see how the entire roster shakes out before we give our our takes on it, because uh, some of those takes turned out to be premature uh, by some other people. So uh, we're going to jump into to what the roster looks like now, including the practice squad, our thoughts on it and. And. Maybe some of Brad Holmes's reaction, uh, explanation, that sort of stuff. We'll start right there with the offense. And God, I, hopefully, this is the last time we talk about this, Ryan. But backup quarterback talk because Jared Goff obviously makes a team, uh, despite the fact that David Blau initially makes the team, Tim Boyle um, not surprisingly cut. Uh, but David Blau gets eventually cut because they find Nate Sudfeld out there to sign. They sign Sudfeld. Blau gets cut in the second round of cuts. And well, it sounds like the Lions were interested in bringing him back. Uh maybe a snub there where he joins the Minnesota Vikings practice squad and said, Ryan, do you do you feel
0: snubbed by by David Blau? I don't feel <laughs> snubbed by David Blau. Uh I don't know if David Blau should feel snubbed by the Detroit Lions either. Um, I, I think at this point, especially after we found out that Nate Sudfield was a replacement, right? I think that that clued us in that this is just backup quarterback musical chairs. Yeah. Like at this point, like it's just one guy for another guy. Sudfeld isn't anybody that elicits any, uh, you know, encouragement in terms of a developmental quarterback in in, in the room. So I, I think it's just another guy that's there. Um, I, I think it is interesting though, that that Blau did sign with Minnesota's practice squad. I think that is I, I think maybe you're right in the estimation that maybe he did feel a little bit snubbed. Uh, I mean, especially after that last episode of hard knocks where he literally laid it all on the line against the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, hit after hit uh, blow after blow served to David Blau. Um, But yeah, I, I mean, largely here's the thing backup quarterback and maybe the quarterback position as a whole is going to be under the microscope next off season. Big time.
2: Yeah. I think um, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. I, you know, I was going to say like I'm pretty sure off stream at one point I said that um Lions probably have to draft no matter what, they have to draft a quarterback in this coming draft. Uh ideally uh before day 3, but it's definitely on the radar either for backup or for, you know, if if Goff does not happen to be the quarterback we think he's going to be, they have to draft him for starter or even just development or even if he's fine like developmental down the road. Kind of like what I think they they wanted Tim Boyle to work, and Tim Boyle did not work. And David Blau, him going to Minnesota, I don't worry about it too much just because I think we've seen this before where teams like to snap up uh, backup quarterbacks and get dropped from other teams in their division. If, if nothing else, just kind of get some insight into what that team's going to do. Uh, Nate Sudfeld, though, being brought in, to replace Blau and Boyle is an interesting choice. I don't know too much about his developmental upside. He's a fine, he's a decent backup talent, but I don't think anything was appreciably gained versus dropping both Boyle and Blau for him.
1: Yeah, and to me, Sudfield, he's, he's got a live arm. He, he's got a pretty strong arm. Um, I don't think anything, any of his talents beyond that are are very good in terms of the way he reads defense in terms of his mobility. There's not a lot there. Um, So in terms of just like a talent upgrade, it's maybe a slight upgrade. Sure. Um, But there, there is some kind of giveaway here because now the lines don't have that safety net of someone who knows the offense in week one, right? Because David Blau goes to Minnesota. Now you have. If, if anything happens to Jared Goff in week one, God forbid, Nate Sudfield, I mean, they're going to have to just cut down the the playbook by by like 80%, you'd have to think. And listen, Nate Sudfield at this point is is a veteran, and I think that mattered to the Lions. I think they want someone who can learn quickly, who can learn the offense quickly, who can plug and play as much as possible for for a backup. But you got to be realistic here. Like, it's going to take a while for him to get... Um, acclimated here, and so I think there's there's a risk here. I think they probably wanted David lau back, and maybe they they would have elevated him for for game day in the first couple of weeks so that they have that safety net of someone who actually knows how to run the offense. But uh it's an unfortunate situation, and and now they only have two quarterbacks. I have to imagine there's probably a third one coming at some point on on the the practice squad, and maybe that's more of a developmental type. But at this point, um, I. It's not a great situation in terms of backup. It's maybe one of the worst in the league, just at least to begin with. I'm not trying to to bury Nate Sudfeld, but it's just they're in a really weird spot right now. And things clearly didn't work out as Brad Holmes planned.
2: It's a Uh, weird spot. And also, like, I'm sorry, I'll be really quick on this. It's I think people saw some of the other backup quarterbacks that were available. And Nate Nate Sudfeld feels like the disappointing by comparison.
0: I, I just wanted to know how concerned you guys are moving forward that it seems as though Brad Holmes really has a type. It's starting to feel like
2: that. Well, because Sudfeld does definitely have elements of both of both golf and Boyle in him. I feel
0: like.
1: Yeah. It's hard to say. Um, The fact that he hasn't really splurged on, on anyone with mobility is maybe a a tad disappointing, but I'm I'm willing, I'm willing to wait and see. I'm not, I'm not trying to hit the panic button yet, but it does. It, it's it's definitely something that's lingering back there, and it's something that's lingered for a while, right? It, I think we've all said, you know, the one thing with Brad Holmes is we don't know if he can evaluate a quarterback in the modern era yet. And we've also we've also been remains.
2: Yeah, we've also been kind of curious about how loyal, how like much more loyal he seems to be towards Jared Goff than I think other people would expect for Jared Goff, given that we've kind of seen what we assume is Jared Goff's floor by how poorly he performed in twenty twenty. Sure. Yeah. And, and they seem I mean, willing to stick with him no matter what.
1: Well, I think the end of this year will be really telling, right? Because they've, they've put him in as good a position as possible. And if he doesn't succeed here, will Brad Holmes be able to pull himself away from him? And and we'll we'll see, because I think it's, I think giving him an actual opportunity this year is fair.
0: Yeah. And, and I just want to rope in something from the Holmes uh, interview that Mm -hmm. that, that happened or the press conference, I guess I should say. Um, But talking about Jared Goff, right? Like on what has changed from last season to this season, you know, he says, you know, look, we believe in you. We're supporting you. We're going to put, uh, we're going to put you in the best position to succeed. You're our quarterback. This is, I mean, I feel like that's Holmes essentially saying this is make it or break it for, sure. for Jared Goff, because there isn't any competition behind him and there hasn't been any competition behind him. Right. So it, it seems like moving forward, there's going to be a guy who comes in and eventually would, would replace Jared Goff if, if Goff doesn't, you know, doesn't swim this season. So.
1: All right, let's move on to running back. Uh, Another kind of big surprise. Uh, Jamar Jefferson initially makes the roster uh, over Godwin Iguabuke and Justin Jackson. Um, They end up releasing him to make move for their waiver claim. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But uh, Jamar comes back on the practice squad. Justin Jackson comes back on the practice squad. Um, But Godwin Iguabuke not back. Currently uh, a free agent out there. Uh, So I'll throw it to you, Chris. Like, How surprised were you initially when Jamar made the roster over those two and what was it an overreaction by, by most people at that point, since, you know, we, we got Justin Jackson back anyways, or. Or are you still kind of surprised by it? Well,
2: I think we we talked about it on the stream after the Talking Knox podcast, but yeah, I think we overreacted too. But I think that's just because we're used to seeing the 53s come down. I I wasn't expecting the second level of cuts that seemed to happen across the board. It seems like they got down to the cuts we expected and then they just kept cutting and bringing guys back or changing changing up. Because like at first we, we saw the cuts on Tuesday. We're like, all right, Blau's safe and and Jefferson safe. And then suddenly they weren't and everything changed again they're only carrying three running backs right now and i i think we were right we kind of predicted that justin jackson would get cut but because he would get released and not and not wa- and not put on the waiver wires that he'd be free to come back and sign right away which is what they did yep. um i just wasn't expecting them to do that with jamar jefferson the fact they're only carrying three running backs you kind of had the point on podcast that like you know they're that fourth guy isn't really going to see much action anyway so why run with with four to begin with if, if especially if the fourth isn't a fullback uh it, it definitely i i think we were kind of working with half the picture but at the same time i've never i have not i'm not used to lions making the second round of cuts to key skill positions that they did i thought they would have had you know their guys four deep and instead they only have three and igua is out there uh he performed well on special teams, but that doesn't seem to really have helped him at the end of the day here next yeah. to the developmental upside of Jamar Jefferson and the proved it on the field of Justin Jackson, who are both practice squad, not full 53 man roster spots.
1: Yeah. And, and the whole thing with, with Jamar is interesting. Our, our, our own John Whitaker has his own kind of tinfoil hat theory that they waited a day to, to wave him because everyone else is going to put in their waiver claims the first day. Maybe if you put him on waivers the second day he slides through and he ended up, Sliding through like like he predicted. I don't know, I don't know if that's what the Lions were thinking. But Ryan, were you are you surprised at all that like Jamar was kind of their dude here? Is I mean I, I've seen some people suggest maybe this is Brad Holmes favoritism towards a, a draft pick. I don't I don't personally buy that. But I don't know, just a seventh round draft pick. I don't I don't see that. Right. See, I mean they they let James Houston go right like that's they did bring him back on the practice squad too. But I don't know. Are are you surprised by Jamar sticking around in in one form or another?
0: Um. I think so just from the standpoint that it was so very clear all throughout the preseason, as soon as Justin Jackson got here that he is the better running back than Jamar Jefferson. Yeah, Jamar Jefferson just hasn't shown it uh, in, in the preseason. Now, if you want to talk about special teams aptitude in terms of what he would bring to the table as maybe a returner, things like that, then, then things start to become a little bit more clear as to why they made the decisions that they made to, to you know, initially keep Jamar. But, I I think looking at things now and like stepping back and saying, you know, as Chris mentioned, they have three running backs, right. And their top two, that was never a discussion, right. It's Swift and Jamal Williams. I think having a guy like Justin Jackson on the practice squad behind Craig Reynolds, if anything happens to those top two guys, I think Justin Jackson is immediately a guy who gets called up because, because either of those guys, Williams or Swift, those are your running backs. And if it's not about special teams, this or special teams, that they have a guy who they can call up and immediately can play running back, you know, tote the rock, catch the, catch the ball, do different things out of the backfield and even has a little bit of special teams experience too. So that's why I, I was, I, I, I also knew that like when they, when they initially, you know, cut J- Justin Jackson, that he was coming back. It felt like there like, was yeah. Th- yeah, th- there was no way. Uh, and, and I think that that was probably one of the most shocking things to, to a lot of people, especially after the last couple of preseason games, the way that Jackson ran the ball, that he was one of the cuts. I, I think a lot of people were shocked that Jefferson made it over, over Jackson.
1: Yeah. And and for that reason, I was too. And to be honestly, to me, sorry. Uh, the reason I was surprised because I mean, I know Jamar Jefferson uh, improved on special teams but to me, Godwin Uguabuke presented the better special teamer. So, on one hand, you had Jamar or Justin Jackson, who was a better runner than Justin Jefferson. On the other hand, you had Godwin Uguabuke, who I thought was a better special teamer. And so, it was just like, what is Jamar bringing to the table that, that gets him over either of those guys? And I think maybe the answer is just youth. Maybe, maybe they see potential. Maybe they saw enough growth from year one to year two where they're just like, okay, he grew as a special teamer. Now let's see if he can grow as a rusher. And I don't know. Um, it we'll we'll see how it plays out, but it definitely surprised me. Um, let's move on to tight end. We probably don't have to spend a ton of time on this one. TJ Hawkinson makes a team, Brock Wright, Shane Zilstra, James Mitchell. Um, that was what most people
2: I think predicted.
1: Um the only four. shock
2: is that there's that they're four deep at tight end. Like yeah. that's that's the main shock for me that they kept I thought they'd keep keep three, keeping four <clears> seems right. Maybe a little excessive, but you know, but I, th- they, I think they want Mitchell, they want Wright, and they, they're clearly in love with Zilstra.
1: Yeah. I mean, Brock Wright and Shane Zilström, both two undrafted guys last year who took big steps, I think, in year, in year two in, in terms of the offseason. And I think James Mitchell is a, is a project that they don't want to let go of. Um, Ray Agnew spoke very highly of, of James Mitchell in his post in the post cuts uh, press conference. And I think I think they realize he's just not ready yet. And they don't want to put him on waivers because he's a fifth round pick, fifth round rookie that that sort of guy gets picked up. So they're willing to kind of carry that extra guy, especially. While, uh, uh, Jason Cabinda is out kind of maybe creates that extra spot for them. Um, to me, to me, actually kind of the, the most interesting move they made was bringing Garrett Griffin back on the practice squad, a guy who was part of the initial five cuts from 90 to 85. I was surprised when that happened from the get-go. Cause I thought he was maybe their, their fullback option. Um, basically spends almost a full month just doing nothing. Didn't get signed by anybody. And then they just bring him back on the practice squad. Kind of interesting, but maybe not all that interesting to talk about to be completely honest. Any, I, anything
0: anything you have to add, Ryan? I was going to say, maybe that's just the New Orleans connection, right? Like, it's a guy that's dependable yeah. if Kabinda is out for an extended period of time. And for whatever reason, if it comes along that there's a game where they need a guy to either, you know, scout team or, you know, put, put you know, elevate a guy to the roster because they want that flexibility, maybe he ends up playing over a guy like James Mitchell who they can just kind of like take their time with, you know? Right. Uh, all right, let's move to wide receiver then. Uh, DJ
1: Chark, I'm on Josh Reynolds, Khalil Raymond, Quintus Cephas of the five on the regular roster. They end up bringing back Tom Kennedy and Maurice Alexander on the practice squad. Um, basically, no surprise there. Uh, Khalil Pippleton goes to the Giants practice squad. Um, and, and, and Trinity Benson, I guess, maybe is, is the most surprising move of, of the group. He gets waived injured. He's already been released with an injury settlement. So was dealing with something. It probably wasn't long term. He'll get an opportunity to land somewhere else. But. I don't know any, any takes here from either of you guys. I don't, I don't think there's a lot to break down here. Not a ton of surprises. Um, Tom Kennedy cleared through waivers. I'm like what everyone thought. Um, I, I say that with, you know, tongue in cheek a little bit there, but I don't know any anything to add to, to what turned out to be a pretty straightforward release here.
2: No, I think it's the guys we all expected all along. I thought maybe Cephas, was a little more in question for Cephas, but it's the five guys we expected. It's Tom Kennedy on the practice squad who, I know that probably bums some some fans out there out, but that was exactly where we expected him to be because he's unpolished and an undrafted rookie. And Maurice Alexander is a little interesting, but also they he was he was late. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Jeremy. He was late coming into camp, right? Yep, that's so right. So clearly they want to hold on and see more out of him. No real surprise. I think the Benson injury kind of closed the door on his chapter with the Lions, unfortunately, and
0: yeah, that's it. I think if there, if there is a take to be had, I think it is that for those of you that were concerned about Brad Holmes and favoritism and the, the sunk cost theory about, Hey, he went out and got Trinity Benson. He, he spoke highly about Trinity Benson at, at various intervals. Like, Hey, this is, this is a guy we got not for this year, um but we got for next year, AKA this year. And it just didn't work out and he was willing to cut bait. So I, I think that that's encouraging from a roster construction standpoint for Brad Holmes.
1: The, the one thing I want to, add to this discussion is so we've talked about the running backs we talked about the wide receivers during the preseason we were looking at those two groups and saying who's going to be the kick returner and we're left with kind of a group of people who weren't really in that competition much i mean caliph raymond is always an option he, he's, he's obviously going to be the, the punt returner but who amongst this group do you guys think is going to win out and be the week one kicker turner because it it isn't
2: abundantly clear probably raymond and Yeah, I, I mean, I'm I'm, I'm leaning Raymond. Oh. I mean, I I know Amon Ross St. Brown. He returned punts last year. I think he did um, every now and then. That's a little bit different than returning kicks. You kind of need a more of a top speed for returning kicks. The the only guy, if
1: I'm not mistaken, on the fifty three that got any reps during the preseason was Craig Reynolds. Right, he got maybe one or two in that last preseason game. Is is that the answer?
0: Uh, it it doesn't matter. Right. Like I don't care. Like fa- fa- yeah. fair catch. Let's start this drive at the 25. All right. Fair yeah. Wow. Yeah. I don't know if I convinced
1: you of that, but special teams don't matter. Apparently. Uh, when are, okay. we getting, what are we getting, when are we getting
0: twisted in
2: my arm? When are we getting XFL style kickoffs? That's all I want. <laughs> Let's make them fun.
1: Um. Last one before we move on to the defense here, uh, offensive line, Taylor, De- starting five, I don't need to name them. Plus you they keep around Matt Nelson, Evan Brown, Tommy Kramer, Logan Stenberg, keep three interior offensive linemen, which is kind of interesting, but Logan Stenberg is maybe the quote unquote surprise, although he's a guy that, that really impressed in those final two preseason games. Uh, Dan Skipper on the practice squad, as well as Obina Aze, which I, I'll be honest, I'm a little surprised by. He did not look particularly good at any point in the preseason or training camp, but um, at least we're going to get a good hard knock story ending for him.
2: Yeah, I thought it's uh, surprisingly that we thought David um, uh, Blau was going to be the uh, the the feel good story on Tuesday after episode after the last episode we just watched. And instead, judo flip. It's Obina Eze gets the practice squad, and Blau is out the door. Um, I'm not sure what what they see in Obina Eze. i I mean, but again, he's only been playing football since he was 17. I think that's it, right? Yeah. Like it's it's like it's like with Ansa, some of these guys just need more time to get used to the game. And I think they like, you know, his they they like his physical attributes. They like his size. They like his speed. They just they like everything about him. Logan Stenberg, I'm actually not surprised made it. They seem to just like what they have in in Stenberg. They seem to have tried him several times before. I know he struggles here and there, but I think he gives them everything they want in a backup. He's flexible. He's He's, he can play a lot of different positions. He's, he's uh, someone, I think they put on the roster roster and yeah, like everyone else makes sense. Tommy Kramer, Nelson. It's fine. I am actually the most happy without the offensive line shaked out, but there was a lot of no duh for that too. This was the one position that they really had all their talent really lined up, even to the backups and ready to go.
0: Yeah. I, I think that two things, one, I'm not surprised by keeping three interior linemen. I mean, I would be concerned if Matt Patricia was still the coach because that would <laughs> signal a guard rotation on the way. But I, I think that the only thing that you can really draw a line between, right, is like the tight ends, keeping four in the room and keeping just the one extra swing tackle in Matt Nelson. Right. Maybe it's this idea that, like, hey, we we want some further blocking depth at at the edges um, that that we can be a little bit flexible with and and they did you know a, as you guys mentioned they they practice Guadobina as a I would be I would be shocked if he played a single snap for the Lions this year but maybe like Dan Skipper plays in a in, in a pinch sure. um, but yeah I I mean yeah I'm, I'm I'm all five offensive linemen please stay healthy Definitely. yeah please Thank stay you. healthy.
1: The interior I mean. has some depth there the the exterior not so much but yeah just really quick to Eze, I feel like that's that's showing faith in in hank fraley right like and and earned trust for hank fraley who, who's turned a lot of young guys career around i think i think they're hoping hank fraley can find something out of as but uh long-term project for sure all right let's take a break when we come back we're going to talk about the defensive roster moves as we talk about the lions 53 man roster and beyond right here on first bite we'll be right back And we are back here on First Bite talking about the 53 man cut down this week. We talked about the offense. Let's kick it over the defense. We'll start with one of the uh, more interesting developments uh, on the interior defensive line. Now, the original cuts, not all that interesting. Michael Brockers, Lee McNeil, Levi Owens, Enrique, Isaiah Bugs, Demetrius Taylor, the only UDFA to make it, all makes it. They cut Jason Cornell with uh, an injury designation. Uh, Bruce Hector gets cut as well. Uh, but I think maybe the the most interesting n- news is that Benito Jones, formerly of the Miami Dolphins, gets claimed oh. on waivers. He seems like he's on track to maybe be the the team's leading nose tackle while while they kick uh uh Aleem over to to three tech a little bit. Um, I don't know. I I don't know how much Ryan you you've looked into Benito Jones, but uh, what what's your kind of take on on maybe that addition there?
0: Yeah, it, it almost seems like he's the insurance policy, right? Like for as much as Aleem McNeil and and the Lions want to keep him as as a three tech, right? Like they want to they want to move him so that they can get more play out of him in their in their four man front. So it, it makes it makes sense that that the Lions would would grab an insurance policy. I think just a lot of people thought Bugs was that policy, right? And right. and I th- I think what's surprising about the roster construction is that Bugs makes it. And then they bring Benito Jones in. So it seems like maybe there's just a competition there, right? For maybe the first couple of weeks of the season. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe this is a guy that they identified like, Hey, this is a guy. And again, though, but it's not what we know so far about Benito Jones from, from, you know, some scouting profiles and, and, and watching a little bit of tape is like, he's not the anchor guy. He's not the, he's not the, I'm going to two gap and I'm going to, you know, be this big, strong presence in the middle. That's just going to muck stuff up. Like he's he's a penetrator, and yeah. but that goes back to what they've been talking about all offseason long. We're attacking. Like we we want an attacking front. That's who Demetrius Taylor is, and that's why he's out. I mean, that's why obviously they went out and got Benito Jones, and that's who they think Ali McNeil is too. In in this in this defense. So like I I'm interested to see how it shakes out. I I, I think what you said though is really important. Like I think that over these first few weeks. They get a feel on what they need the rotation to be. And then I think that there's probably some movement that happens, especially once some guys get healthy too. Right. Yeah.
2: Benito Jones is big. He's real big. He also loves cows. He apparently takes care of Angus cows. He's, (laughs) he's, he's a country boy through and through six was it six foot one, 329. Like I thought I, I, I remember scout like reading some stuff on day three picks. I thought, I think he had like a day three grade and it was kind of a surprise. He went undrafted and I know the dolphins him up. it didn't work out for him, but yeah, as you say, like that's a big body to send up there to stuff when you're expecting uh, a run play or just get, just get a bunch of presence up the middle. I, I like the pickup a lot. I think it helps the depth uh, quite well there. And like, look, they've needed some help at figuring out their, their interior defensive line. Um, Yeah. It's, it's not been great. Through through camp and through preseason, I'm not saying Jones is going to rock it up there, but he has the upside to him. Like people, uh, people were saying the guy's NFL ready. I don't know. Like he's he's obviously. I don't think he's in line to start right now. But it's it's. I thought it was a savvy pickup. I thought it was a very good, very good pickup for the Detroit Lions. Houston, uh, going to the practice squad. They they again. I think the problem with Houston is they just he fits a. A defensive scheme the Lions right now aren't doing right now, so they're trying to figure out maybe they can send him over there and develop him more as an edge, and that and bring him back if they need that at some point down the line. Um, yeah, like I, they're 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 in a rough spot with with Oquara and and Pascal right now for edge. I don't know if that maybe means Houston's late you know, later in the season he gets called up to to edge if uh, injuries mount. I don't think we'll see him again as a linebacker though.
1: Yeah, no, I think they moved on from that. I, I want to go quickly back to, to interior defensive line just just for a second here because I think I think the one thing that I, I'm happy with is we all remember the Atlanta game, right? The the preseason game. Just oh, got yeah. completely gashed on the run game, up the middle, on the edges, all that. And they did not wait. They're like, We need to do something about this. We need we're gonna move Aleem to three tech. We're gonna add Isaiah Bugs. We need Girth on this team, right? And so they go out and get
2: Benito Jones. Jones is
1: girth. They go out and get Benito Jones. Like they they, they see a problem and they're attacking it. And I mean, I mean, we've said it multiple times on this podcast that run defense was something that we were majorly concerned about. And listen, I know it's only preseason. and I don't want to react too much to it, but they go out and play lights out run defense in the next two preseason games. And they're still continuing to add. So I'm I'm, I'm optimistic about that. And then the only thing I wanted to add on the interior defensive line is that I think it's definitely worth noting that Levi Onsarike did not go on IR when they, they very well could have done that. And listen, they might still do that. I'm not saying it's out of the question, but the fact that he's not on IR, the fact that they haven't made it. So he's disqualified for the first four games of the season is noteworthy because we haven't seen him even out there in practice on the sidelines in a while. And I'm I'm hoping that's a positive sign about his, uh, his rehab.
0: And I think what's to, to just quickly tag on, what I think is also very interesting about Levi being on the 53 is that didn't affect Demetrius Taylor making True. the 53 too. And I really thought that there, there might be some scenario in which Levi isn't on the 53. And then they get Demetrius Taylor as a guy who can do the same things that they they want Levi to do, but both of them make it. And it seems like there's a log jam waiting to happen. Um, so again, I, I think that goes to the point of like they're gonna things are gonna shake out in the first few weeks. Right. Especially like you said, as as people like if Levi gets healthy and they like him,
1: maybe that means they that- that did you Taylor goes back to the the practice squad. Assuming he clears waivers, but he might get some time early, which would be pretty interesting for an undrafted guy. Uh, let's move on to edge. Uh, Aiden Hutchinson, Charles Harris, Julian O'Quara, Austin Bryant, John Kaminsky all make it. Like you mentioned, James Houston does not yeah, make it. Sorry, I, I thought comes I, back.
2: I I got screwed up. No I worries. We doing
1: all D line comes back to the practice squad. Eric Banks uh, released with an injury designation. <clears throat> um. I don't, I don't know if there's a ton to break down here. John Kaminsky making the roster doesn't seem like that much of a surprise. Austin Bryant, uh, Julian Acquara. Um, th- I think that maybe the most noteworthy thing with him is that he returned to practice this week, so he's maybe in line of, of jumping Austin Bryant on the list of, of guys that are going to contribute. But you look at the the four deep, really the five deep, and like, this is a pretty big improvement, right? Aiden Hutchinson, Charles Herons, Julian Aquara, Austin Bryant, John Kaminsky. I don't feel bad about that rotation at all. I feel like that that might be the – we talk about wide receivers being the most improved group. I feel like this might be the most improved group, and, and we're not even talking about Romeo quar yet, who who hopefully will return
2: at some point this season. I think Julian coming back is good. Um, however, Bryant and Kaminsky both balled out in preseason and in camp, and so I thought I, – I'd be sad if, if Julian jumps Bryant. I think he's – He's shown that he deserves at least a chance to start in some packages and and like, you know, perform some packages, play in some games, get some more time to see what he can get. But it's it's good for the depth right now. It's a far cry from what it was even a year ago, Jeremy, you know, from just Charles Harris out there. And now we've got Hutchinson and Harris and and a depth with 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 Oquara, Bryant, Kaminsky. Like that's that's very good. The edge is actually. I'm, I'm actually happy for once when it comes to the edge to the pass defensive rush. ends and pass rush, pass rush, baby pass rush. Oh my God. Like I know this is not a very, this is not being projected to be a very good defense, but oh my God, we have pass rush.
0: I mean, I guess we're talking about the edge being a strength and two of the most important players around pup right now. You know what I mean? So like, it feels like a, it feels like a relative strength compared to last season for sure when it was After Romeo went down, it was Charles Harris and who, you know, so. But yeah, I mean, hopefully, hopefully,
1: um, you know, especially when it comes to someone like Austin Brighton, we can see it on Sundays rather than just the preseason, but. I, I think that the, the arrow is pointing up with that group. Um, speaking of a group in which the arrow is certainly pointing up from, from what expectations about a month ago, the linebacking mm. core uh, shook, shook out in a somewhat kind of predictable way, but maybe one surprise there at the end, Alex Anzalone, Derek Barnes, Malcolm Rodriguez, Chris board, Josh woods are the five that they keep. Anthony Pittman is the surprise cut, but he comes back on the practice squad. And Jared Davis also comes back on the practice squad. Um, I'll throw it back to you, Ryan, really quick. Any, Anything interesting about this that that shook out in a way that you weren't expecting?
0: Um, I don't think so. Like, I, I definitely was on the Jared Davis train. I thought that he, you know, I mean, he, again, it's the Jared Davis we knew. Like, ran hot, ran cold. Yeah. Um, he ran a little bit hotter, I think, in in the, in the Pittsburgh game, and I I thought he had some some good reps. But you know, him coming back to the practice squad, I think is 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 a win. I, I think yeah. it's nice to have a guy because he like this is a great spot for Jared Davis because he is a culture dude. Right. You know what I mean? Like yeah. having Jared Davis on the practice squad, nobody should be upset about. Nobody can be upset about Jared Davis on the practice squad because he is in the, the, the ideal role that he can thrive in. Right. Um,
2: and He's gonna
1: I, be a, a pain in the ass on the scout team. Like the, 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 the people that are going against him are, are going to have to play hard.
0: Right. 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 Absolutely. And you know, uh, Josh Woods, I don't think that there's any surprise with him really making the roster because you know, special teams and, and, yeah. and what he can bring in, in that capacity. So I think the Lions in terms of and, and maybe this is an explanation for why Godwin is still a free agent. Chris Board and Josh Woods. I mean, those those two guys, I mean, you're talking about a couple of special team aces right there. You know yeah. what I mean? So I, I, I think I think the Lions are kind of kind of set there in terms of what they need. Now it's it's all about the health of Alex Anzalone. It's all about is Rodrigo a guy who is going to keep hitting and 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 going to continue to 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 make run fits and and be a guy who can play on Sundays when there are big dudes in front of him? You know what I mean? And and we'll see. But it, it it's much more encouraging, like you said, Jeremy, than it was at the start of training camp.
2: I think this is a this is this is a unit that I think went into camp yes that and performed a hell of a lot better than we expected out and Malcolm Rodriguez Rodrigo like came in and balled out from day one you just hope he keeps doing it Derek Barnes even by the end of of camp and preseason was performing like you expected and maybe he'll start at some point here too uh, board and Woods I don't have too many notes on them but it's definitely a unit that has improved thankfully mercifully. And it's a great job by everyone involved there, Kelvin Shepard and Aaron Glenn, to see them improve the way they have. I think it speaks to Kelvin Shepard more than anything, just getting them, you know, geared up from what was one of the worst units I've, you know, we've seen in a while. And like, look, Lions not had great linebackers since the days of DeAndre Levy. It's been really bad. I want to say this on Jared Davis, and I know he doesn't have a lot of fans in Detroit. He was, again, we, we we keep bringing this up, the distinction between on cutdown day being released and being waived. Jared Davis was released. He's had more than four years time accrued in the NFL. And he came back to the practice squad. He could have gone anywhere. This is a guy that got starts with the Jets last year. He's had plenty of chance. Like people, there would at least be a, no, a third team out there to try to revitalize what was once a first round draft pick. And he decided to come back to the practice squad. That speaks a lot to him knowing who he is at this point in his career. And it speaks a lot to his understanding that this is where he wants to be, that he likes the culture here and that the the coaches know something in him that like understands his strengths and he understands his relationship with the organization. And if you're still hating on Jared Davis, after knowing all that, I can't help you. I can't help you. You're just being a hater. Yeah, and I'm not. I'm not trying to pom pom cheerlead too much. I just think this is a guy who's gotten a very bad rap for someone who's tried his damnedest in the NFL. Sometimes you're not, you don't pan out to what you want to be, but this guy is is giving you everything
0: and then some. Be mad with Bob Quinn. Don't be mad with Jared (laughs) Davis.
1: I the only thing I want to say about the linebacking core is that I I feel uncomfortable with how comfortable I am with them. (laughs) <laughs> You're waiting for the other shoe to drop. Yeah. I, I kinda am. I, I I really like the depth. I having Chris Board and Josh Woods as, as your two guys, like like Ryan said, they're their special teams, aces. I think they both have some some defensive upside too. Like I think they could play if necessary. For for a while there, and, and we might even see it this year. Chris Board was the guy that they put out on obvious third downs because he can probably defend the pass as, as good and drop into coverage as good as anyone else. And then I mean, listen. I, I really want to pull the reins back on, on Malcolm Rodriguez. I really wish I could get myself to pull the reins completely back but he is making some ridiculous plays and I think one of the interesting things that Bob uh, Brad, Brad Holmes said, not Bob Quinn um is how his time as as a quarterback has has really impacted his ability to, to key in to, to read his keys quickly and and that's that's what this is all about right? It's reading your keys. It's reacting quickly. It's the thing that Jared Davis has struggled with so long. Malcolm is doing it on day one. And that to me is something that I I don't, I don't care how small you are, man. That, that sort of stuff is not very teachable. That sort of stuff is invaluable. I'm, I'm all in on Malcolm Rodriguez and Derek Barnes too, man. Like I, after one preseason games, I was starting to fall out of, out out of belief with, with Derek Barnes, but I do think he's turned a bit of a corner and again, I'm not saying this is going to be a good squad. I, I gave them a C minus on my grades and some people thought that was too high. And I understand that. And maybe I'm putting a little bit too faith, too much faith in it, but. I'm I'm starting to drink, drink a little bit of Kool-Aid here in the linebacker level, at least for the future, there are going to be mistakes, obviously with Malcolm, with, with Derek. I, I think Alex Anzalone is, is kind of a low ceiling kind of guy. So I'm not, I'm not as excited about him, but I just think I I never thought I'd be here. I I, I really didn't because we, we heard. We heard all the coaching staff being saying saying like, "Competition's gonna to bring out the best in everyone." We believe in this group. We like them a lot better than maybe some of the outside people. I scoffed at it at the time, and somehow, a month month and a half later, I'm like, "Shit, they may have been onto something."
0: I, for one, am shocked that Calvin Shepard made a or er, out of Jeremy Reisman. I am shocked. Hey.
1: Everyone else has fallen in love with him three months after I did. That's all I'll say. (laughs) Uh, Cornerbacks. Let's move to corners. Uh, Amani Oruare, Jeff Okuda, who's won a starting job. Will Harris, Bobby Price, Mike Hughes, Chase, Lucas all make the team. AJ Parker gets cut but moves to the practice squad. Jerry Jacobs goes on reserve pup, so he'll miss the first four games. Savion Smith comes back, and I think I've covered everyone else. Cedric Boller was well. Uh, Mark Gilbert do not come back. Uh, Mark Gilbert lands somewhere. I don't remember where, but, uh, I think the big story here is, is nickel situation. Ryan uh, surprised how the nickel spot played out there.
0: Um, maybe, maybe a little bit, you know, I, I think that there were a lot of expectations that AJ Parker would be on the roster, uh, the 53 man roster. So to see him on the practice squad is, is a bit of a surprise because I think we kind of talked ourselves and twisted ourselves into knots about, oh, like, Nickel Roby Coleman and what happened at the nickel corner situation last season, maybe they just got an upgrade. Like Mike Hughes is just maybe objectively a, a, a safer bet uh, to, to have at the position. And they, but they have like, they, they don't have a lot of contingency plans. I think the only contingency plan they really have at nickel corner is Chase Lucas at this point. Like, you know Jerry Jacobs isn't quite ready who knows if Jerry Jacobs when he comes back is that a guy that they're going to prioritize getting on the field no matter what uh just because he would elevate the 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 rest of the um the the cornerback room so do you immediately put him in at nickel cornerback there isn't a spot for him on the outside with Amani and and Okuda so do, do you do whatever you can just to get him on the field and I, I think beyond Nickel Corner, though, and I think where the discussion goes from here is, man, there is just not a lot of depth on the outside. It's not a lot of depth, and also there's a lot of risks
2: involved here, too. Um, I think we, sh- uh, depending what happens with Jeff Okuda, if he still can't show he can't put it together under a second defensive scheme, under a scheme that isn't going to screw him over at every chance, then I'm worried. I'm, I'm very worried. About Jeff Okuda, and again, like we know, the risks involved too, with the Achilles and everything else, he just might not come back, and we might not see the, the, the upside that we ever were promised with Jeff Okuda at this point. But also too, um, I had like I know Will Harris has improved versus being a safety, playing corner, but he kind of had some weaknesses shown a little bit during the preseason too, playing corner as well. So I'm not, I'm not completely sold on Will Harris as part of this cornerback. Uh, squad as far as like, you know, depth that I can completely trust. And then rounding that out, Bobby Price, Chase Lucas, Mike, Hughes. like, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm with Ryan a little bit. The, The depth worries me. The, the, the whole unit kind of worries me because it needs kind of like with linebackers, it needs a lot. It needs a lot of things to go right. And linebackers, at least through preseason through training camp, had a lot go right for us to feel more confident in them. Cornerbacks have not had that transformation. They have not had that that apotheosis to to being something I can trust yet.
1: Yeah. Really, really the only guy who even flashed like that was Jeff Okuda. Right? He he definitely improved as the preseason went on. And I think there's reason to be optimistic. I don't know if there's reason to be like, okay, he's going to be a number one shutdown corner now. I, optimistic, I but not confident. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. Um and yeah, Will Harris is is an interesting piece because the coaching staff kind of touts him as like, oh, he can back up so many different positions. He can play outside. He can play nickel. He can play safety. He can dime, nickel, like all this sort of stuff. And it's just like, okay, but can he do any of them good? Like he can play them, but can he do any of them good? Because at first I thought he was doing a really good job at outside corner. And and I think it was really a neck and neck competition. But as camp went on, I think him and Okuda just went in opposite directions. Like Okuda improved. And then Mm. Will Harris was just like, oh, maybe... Maybe the, the sample size early was just a little bit too low and you looked good, but it might not be for you either. And so, yeah, depth is definitely a big concern here. And when your starters are both got like Amani Roari, is he a number one? Is he a, like an average number one? I think is maybe the, the highest compliment you could give him. I think maybe he's more of a lower end number one. While Jeff Okuda is a guy who has, has to answer just about every other question that you can have of him. Those are your starters. <sighs> It it's it's rough and and I in it. Listen, we're we're a podcast that that very much lives by an Aaron Glenn. We trust, but this is this is another tough group of guys that that he has to really coach up. And and I listen, the lines are putting a lot of faith in him. That that's all I'll say.
0: Yeah, I I can say though for like the I mean especially talking about the linebacker position and now you know moving into cornerbacks, like there's there's questions in terms of what you have at the starter, and there are questions that you have at the depth and it doesn't stop there because it continues into the the safeties very back of the defensive backfield with the safeties right like that's right i mean you, you feel confident in tracy walker you don't know how much deshaun elliott you're gonna get yep but then beyond that it, it was surprising that a fatu Malafanu, you know not not moved a pup not on any, you know, injured no, reserve know. or anything yeah. like that. Like I think that's encouraging that that Afatu melafan will be ready because I think he's going to be called on in yeah. in a lot of spots and in a lot of situations and I think it's really hard to talk about the cornerback depth without talking about guys like Afatu who, you know, he he played there as a rookie and I know they want to move him to safety but everything is a contingency plan and, right. and, and Will Harris at outside cornerback. I mean, maybe, maybe there's a situation in which he has to play a little bit of safety and he has to moonlight in another situation. You you just hope that some of these guys settle into being starters, right? Yeah. And, and you know, yeah. the other two
1: that, that make it at the safety Kirby Joseph and Juju Hughes. And I, I want to take a second to talk about Juju Hughes because he was someone that specifically that uh, that Brad Holmes pointed out. And I kind of get the feeling that, if one of those top safeties goes out, I think it might be Juju Hughes that steps in initially. If if it happens early on, because Kirby Joseph, listen, I I think they have really high hopes for him. I think, I think they think he's ahead of schedule, but I don't think they think he's ready. And, and if he, listen, it looks like he's progressing a little bit in practice, but I don't think he's going to be ready in week one. So Juju Hughes might get defensive snaps in week one of the regular season. And remember, he's a guy that came from Los Angeles. He's a guy that Ray Agnew and Brad Holmes both know and like. And so, and he didn't play horrible in the preseason and training camp. He was fine. Didn't didn't stand out in, in a lot of positive ways, but didn't stand out in, in many negative ways either. And that's that's kind of more important as a safety. Like as long as you aren't not making plays, uh, I think you're maybe, maybe doing what you need to be doing. So um just an interesting guy to keep in mind, I think, because I think he was a guy maybe they kept because out of necessity, but he was definitely a guy that was going to be back. It, at the very least, on the practice squad.
0: Yeah, real, real quick, and uh, I'll let I'll let Chris kick it. But like what you said about the Agnew comments, I think is really, really telling of him maybe being the first guy off the bench because they called him dependable. They said he's a guy you can count on. So like that has to be your guy that's that's first off the bench if you need somebody in a pinch. So yeah, yeah, I else? don't
2: what anything else to add. No, I don't have too many thoughts. I don't have too many thoughts on safeties. It's kind of.
1: All right, we'll do it then. We'll talk very, very briefly about. Yes, Peter. yes. Uh, Jack Fox, Scott Daly. make the Was roster, Seibert the uh, right choice? Post. Austin Seibert makes it over Riley Patterson. Riley Patterson, I want to say goes to, I don't know, Carolina or something. I don't know. Who cares? Uh, Jacksonville, of... I think maybe. It was Jacksonville. You're right. Uh, Eldrick Rosas comes back after being a, uh, a, a mid-season pickup last year. Um, I, I do kind of find that interesting. I wonder if like, here's, here's what I know about Dave. Fipp. He's going to tell you that there's going to be continued to be a kicker battle between Rosas and Cybert. Obviously I think Cybert starts week one, but I guess my, my question, I guess here is how confident are you in, in the kickers that the, that the lines have right now?
2: Not really. We don't really have, like, when you have a kicker, you know you have a kicker. I don't, the Lions, I do not know that they have a kicker right now. Right, That's ultimately what it comes down to. They try to feel out Riley and Cybert, and Cybert stays on the roster just by virtue of he was marginally better than Riley Patterson. But it's also, cybert's accuracy is still not great. His leg's still not great. He's not, I, I know you don't like talking about special teams, Jeremy, but like, I, I'm sorry, you're going to have to kick field goals in the NFL. And sometimes those three points when you are in a low scoring situation is the matter between life and death. And for the Lions, they don't have their guy to do that. I'm not saying they need to get a guy like a Justin Tucker, but they need to have someone who is not who's dependable and has range. And right now, I like if they're still trying it out between Cybert and Rosas, I don't think they have that. It's hard to figure it out. It's really hard to figure out with kickers. You just really don't know. We haven't really seen the... Uh, the kicker who is, who's come in to yet to wow people for a very long time. So, you know, besides, I mean, besides the ones they've had here before, but I mean like the guy who like you see in camp and you know, who's like young and is like, yeah, he will be the kicker of the future. You just don't know. So you just got to keep churning that pool until you have it. I just don't think they're going to have one this year uh, among kickers. They just, I just don't think they have the guy who I, I would, I would actually be surprised if they end the season with the same two kickers on the roster and practice squad, that w- one of these guys is going to at some point get cut, and they're going to churn in another kicker.
1: That's what they did last year. Which, if, if they're doing it a second in a year in a row, that's it's another. Not they don't so have great, the guy. You know? They don't
0: have the kicker. I I did like the Lions teams that did have a dependable kicker, but if if I have to monkey paw this right, like if if, if I have to give up like having a dependable kicker versus having a better roster and maybe a team that's a little bit more competitive. You don't need to though. I don't know if you can have it both ways. You guess you can. You you could could have kept You could have kept Matt Prater. They could. have.
2: No, no, I I'm not even talking about Matt Prater. I'm just saying I am. Oh, I I'm saying
1: that was a mistake. I said it it at the time. I say, I still say it today. I, I don't like having like, it's unnerving. And it's unfamiliar territory for us Lions fans, right? To not have to go from Hanson to Prater to nobody. We had we had a half a season where it was a disaster, right? And and that's all. And
2: last year wasn't a disaster, it it was fine, but but not by not up to Hanson slash Prater territory. It was not fine,
0: cost you a game. It did, it did
1: cost you at least one game, probably. It definitely cost you one game. We'll, we'll leave. Yeah, it. half a game. It was, it was a tie. It was half. Okay, a game. fair, fair point. I'm usually the one that's stickler about half wins. All right, we'll leave it there. Uh, thank you all for listening. We will be back with our full season preview. We're going to record it Sunday night here on Twitch. Twitch.tv/slash Pride of Detroit. It will be up on Monday. Then we're into our normal schedule. We'll we'll have our our first bite with the Eagles guests to talk about Lions, Eagles, and we'll be into the swing of things. So uh, for for Chris. For Ryan, I'm Jeremy. Thank you for all watching. It's chaos. Be kind.